Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast. KFC BBL 12 is officially done. Well, we've still got the final series to go, but the home and away stuff is all completed. The five teams have qualified for finals. And now myself, Josh Honefinger, and Jack Painter are going to pick apart the season, look at the best moments, the best players, and the winners and the losers from BBL 12. Uh, so we've got a lot to get through on this episode of the Unplayable Podcast. Welcome, Jack. You join me from Melbourne, but I believe you are heading off to Perth very shortly. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, good to be here. It's going to be a wild uh, weekend, that's for sure. We're going to Sydney and then across the country to Perth and then back across the country to Melbourne. So plenty of travel involved for those who are covering all three finals. Uh, but it should be good fun. should be some cracking cricket as there has been all season. So looking forward to it. Yeah, so the finals positions were uh, locked in on Wednesday, January 25. There was a bit of late tussling for those final positions in the top five. Obviously, Perth Scorchers and the Sydney Sixers were locked in to one and two. And to be honest, they had been locked into that top two for quite a while. Um, They've been the dominant sides. But the Renegades finished third after the Brisbane Heat failed to chase down Hobart's uh, low total. Down there in Tassie, Sydney Thunder finished fourth and then the Heat snuck into finals with a fifth place finish. That means the Hurricanes, the Strikers and the Stars all missed the finals. Disappointing seasons for all of those three. But now our focus goes to the those final series. And as you said, the Eliminator is on Friday, January 27, Thunder versus Heat at Sydney Showground Stadium. Jack, uh, what did you make of those last few days of the tournament and what are you expecting to see in the final series? Well, the, the last day was a bit chaotic, wasn't it? Tim David, the finisher with the ball, what an over that was. <laughs> Thrilling finish. The Heat butchered it. Uh, they had a chance to lock up a home final at Gabba, but they couldn't do it. I'm not sure what happened there. I'm not sure they do either. But uh, Tim David <laughs> provided for a thrilling finish. And uh, let's not forget Nathan Allison and Joel Paris as well uh, in those yeah. final overs. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough for the Hurricanes. The Thunder just got the job done over the, over the Stars. It wasn't, wasn't much to write home about in that game. But uh, the day before, was it was also a, a cracking contest on another tricky batting wicket. Uh, we can just see the class of Aaron Finch and what he means to that Renegades franchise to get them into finals, which proved to be a knock, the knockout final on, on Sunday, which is you know, great news for them. They only have to, they have to play one less game to, to get through. Uh, so, yeah, it's a thrilling finish, and it probably um, proved to be justice for a, a compelling season. You know, the, the high scores haven't always been there, but the contests have been tight. The atmosphere has been thrilling with the crowds back uh, to full strength and it just provided for a great spectacle. If you did happen to miss that finish between Herbert Hurricanes and the Brisbane Heat, of course, go to cricket.com.au. You can watch the BKT finish, last 12 balls. It's all sorts of hectic. Uh, who knows how they didn't manage to knock off those runs. Uh, you touched on the Renegades there, 
it's a good return for them after three straight wooden spoon finishes to finish third and, as you said, yeah, get a ho- uh, not a home final. Oh, yes, a home final in the knockout. Home final, yeah. Uh, which will be on Sunday, January 29. The qualifier between the top two seeds, that's on Saturday, January 28, uh, Scorchers and the Sixers. And so, if Jack, if you had to make a prediction, and this is putting you on the spot a little bit, Thunder Heat in the first final, who goes through to play the Renegades in the knockout? Oh, that's a 50-50, that one. Uh, not sure I could make a call, uh, to be honest. Um, I think it would just depend on who turns up and plays better on the day. Uh, but I think maybe I'll back the heat with um, their top four of Kwaja, um, Labashane and Renshaw. So they'll have those guys for that game. Uh, and Swepson as well for that game. But Swepson won't play on Sunday should they get through. Uh, to the okay. knockout. So for the other test test players, um, they can play the first final. Yep. What's the availability like of the Sixers guys and the Heat guys? Yep. So uh, the the, top, the batters will play. So Kawaja, Labashane, and Rencho will play both uh, Friday and Sunday. Should they win, uh, Swepson will just play Friday because there's a spin camp in Sydney starting on Saturday, and then uh, Warner will play both games as well. Smith and Lyon will play the Sixers game against the, the Scorchers on Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday, as will Lance Morris, but Agar and Todd Murphy will be in Sydney at the spin camp for the mm-hmm. Test Series. Uh, I think they've covered it all there. Um, okay, yeah. Um, well, I'm sure we're going to touch on Steve Smith yeah. later in the episode, but hasn't it been contrasting fortunes? He has come in and absolutely dominated, but... The other test players, I'm not sure there's been one who can say that they've really made a big impact. Maybe Alex Carey did, but the strikers didn't end up qualifying. So um, I think so yeah. not big enough of an impact. <laughs> That's right. Well, he's playing a lone hand for the strikers in the end. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Just Smith has made a made an impact really. Agar as well, but he didn't end up playing yeah. the final few games. Uh, Lance Morris has bowled pretty well. He's had a good impact, uh, although he didn't play in the test. Um, in the test summer he was coming back from the test squad uh, but, but yeah David Warner he's uh, he's struggled hasn't he um, so maybe he's saving his runs for the finals maybe yeah imagine that a couple of 50s to go out with uh, as the Thunder get through to uh, to the challenger and then who knows <laughs> well look, if David Warner gets going he won't be settling with a 50 year He'll be trying to match his mate Steve Smith yeah. with a couple of tons, I'm sure. Uh, let's look at your team of the tournament, which has gone live on cricket.com.au today, Thursday, January 26. Uh, you've named your 11. I've had a look through it, um, but I might get you to just run through from 1 to 11 quite quickly, and then I might just uh, question a few of the selections. <laughs> yep. So it was a jo- let's say it, it was a joint uh, sort of discussion on uh, uh, career.com they use editorial team but obviously as a big bash reporter I had the final say and my name goes on the story so I had to make some you're the chair of selectors some hard calls yep that's for sure Uh, so number one we've got Matt Short from the Strikers what another great season for him Steve Smith from the Sixers hard to leave him out after back to back tons and another 50 Aaron Hardy at number three Aaron Finch at number four and Skipper in the side. What a season he's had uh, for the Renegades, getting them back into finals after three seasons on the bottom. Josh Inglis, outstanding. Uh, he'll keep at number five. 
Tim David, probably one of the only shining lights for the Hurricanes this season. Uh, Michael Nisa, he's had a brilliant season with the new ball uh, for the Heat. Uh, Sean Abbott, uh, just another outstanding campaign for the all-time leading wicket-taker of the competition. Uh, AJ Ty, likewise, he's the second leading uh, wicket-taker of all time in the competition. He's also uh, found his way into the team of the tournament. Uh, Tom Rogers, the switching from the Hurricanes to the Renegades, he's had a 21-wicket um, campaign, outstanding for him as well. And Paddy Dooley, what a breakout tournament for the left-arm finger spinner, uh, Brisbane lawyer from who's played in just his first sort of big bash season. Uh, he fills in at number 11 and 12th man is Jai Richardson. So only played the seven games, but was outstanding with 15 wickets. Yeah, he was good every time he played. Um, so Matt Short, definitely no qualms from that uh, selection for me. He was great with bat and ball and captaincy when he was required to lead the strikers as well. He did that really well. Steve Smith, look, he's only played four matches and eight batters have scored more runs than him. Does he really earn selection based off four matches? You can't argue the impact that he's had. He's averaging 109 striking at 180 so two centuries is the only batter in the competition to hit two centuries who who were you mm. picking there in that opening nah, well look the, yeah the, the other openers um they're probably not jumping out are they um joe clark scored a lot of runs and cameron bancroft finished the season well but um none of them could match the six hitting power of steve smith That's true. so Maybe that is a fair call. Uh, a lot of right-handers as well. No thought to bring in a lefty just to break it up. In fact, the top the top nine are all right-handers. Uh, just looking, now. does that matter in T Twenty cricket? I think it's a bit too in depth for a team of the tournament. <laughs> okay. Didn't really think about that one. <laughs> um, and we also had uh, Riley Meredith miss out. He took twenty-one wickets, which is the same as Tom Rogers, who's snuck in. What's Riley Meredith done wrong not to make this team? Oh, he hasn't done much wrong. Probably the only thing is the Hurricanes haven't made the finals and the Renegades have. So you reward performances that get your team into the finals. It's the same as uh, Aaron Finch and, and Chris Lynn. Chris Lynn played 11 games, uh, dominated, but went off to the UAE and the strikers fell away in the back half of the season and, and missed the finals. Mm. So whereas Finch, he sort of started slowly and then and then come good and, and the Renegades are in, in the finals and good chance to, to go, you know, sort of to the penultimate challenger final and, and challenge the Sixers or the Scorchers, whoever loses that game. Yeah, probably a bit tough on Lynn. Uh, he, I'm just looking now. He's finished with the fourth most runs, even though he missed those final three matches. He was on the Unplayable podcast earlier in the season talking up his chances and a few listeners may have thought, well, he's all talk, he's past it, but he certainly showed that He's definitely not. And, yeah, I guess it's just Aaron Hardy's um, continual uh, consistency with the bat that's edged him out. Would you say that that's the reason he's not in your side? I think so. And also Josh Inglis as, as well has had a pretty good campaign. Um, and then once you sort of get down, you can't really fit him at, at number number six, can you? No. He's a top-order batter, so he has to bat in those top three or four positions. So yeah, uh, great campaign for Aaron Hardy. Uh, also, Scorchers are in the in the finals and and looking to for an unprecedented fifth title. They'll go pretty close to, to getting that if they if they don't. So uh, you could have picked you know four or five Scorchers players, couldn't you? Cam Bancroft, Jason yeah. Berendorf was unlucky to miss out. 
Um, so you can just fill the team with scorches and you've got a pretty good team of the tournament, I reckon. <laughs> Um, and Tim David is that sort of middle order finisher type player. He had a great campaign, really, 354 runs and uh, a few wickets with the ball, as you touched on as well. Who were the other contenders for that sort of middle order role? Because it's such a difficult position to fill. Yeah, Jordan Silk was one. I was sort of pushing to have him in there until I got sort of talked out of it. But I think he's had a <laughs> <laughs> had a good campaign. Jordan Silk just plays his role. To perfection. He's got 150, but you know a few not outs, and uh, without him, you know the Sixers might not have him and Moses Onrik. Sorry, they've played you know important roles in that middle order, and I think without him, potentially you know the Sixers would have been a bit further down the down the ladder. The other interesting thing to note is there are no international players or foreign players, I suppose you'd say, in your team of the tournament. Who who were the leading international players in your opinion this season? Though there are a few. Uh, standout uh, performances but prolonged performances maybe not as many as we were hoping yeah I think there was just too much chopping and changing with them leaving halfway through the tournament to go to other leagues Faf Duplessis I was impressed with him he he did pretty well uh, in terms of that as you said you know a couple of good innings here and there but I guess the renegade spinners Akil Hussain and Majib uh, played their role uh, for that team uh, Rashid was good with his economy rate. Didn't take as many wickets as previous seasons because I think teams have learned just to sort of sit on him uh, and not sort of take any risks. Uh, but other than that, yeah, you know what you're going to get from Rashid Khan. Uh, Trent Bolt was good in his debut, yeah. but after that, sort of uh, petered out a bit. Uh, I also had Joe Clark as one of the. Well, he was the sixth leading run scorer, so I guess you give him a, a tick yeah. again at the top of the order for the Stars. And Adam Hose um, scored 312 runs, which was the 13th most in the competition. So for another sort of one of these no-name no to Aussie fans, uh, English recruits, uh, he did pretty well, I, I thought, as well. And especially, he played an especially important hand in that massive chase that the the strikers managed to yeah. pull off where Short also scored a century. Yeah. There might still be a few more performances to come to. We've seen Sam Hain uh, made 70 the other day. Brisbane are in the finals. Matthew Critchley, late inclusion for the Renegades. He looks like he's a seasoned English T20 pro, so he could be another one of those back end of the tournament specialists. And... We got oh, Steve Eskenowski has been not too bad for the Scorchers. He sort of took a while to, to find his uh, find his spot, but um, you know he impressive knock the other night against the Sixers. So we'll just see. Definitely, yeah, the, the Esky. He's got a lot of fans <laughs> both here and away, but he's a he's a great player to watch. Uh, now I'm sure all of our listeners would agree it's been the best Big Bash season in quite some time. Uh, there's been highlights and talking points. Pretty much every week, every match. Um, so I've decided to go through my 10 biggest moments of BBL 12. Uh, and I just want to run them by you before, um, you know, we go any further with it because uh, there are a lot to consider. And I do have a few honourable mentions that I'll start with. Um, Dre Russ hitting the ball onto the roof in Geelong. That doesn't make the list. Ben Cutting's catch on the boundary. Again, sorry, Ben, doesn't make the list. Stoyness on New Year's Eve was fantastic. Bo Webster hit a six at the MCG that 
in my opinion, is maybe the biggest we've ever seen. I'm sure Simon O'Donnell will disagree, but that's an argument for another podcast. And then the DRS debut for the Big Bash, important moment in the competition's yep. history, but none of those make the list. Any qualms so far? Don't think so. Uh, it's going to be a good list. I'm, I'm surprised you get it into 10, to be honest. Um, there's been some controversial and you know, thrilling moments, that's for sure. So at number 10, uh, the f- opening match of BBL 12, it was the Stars and Thunder up in Canberra. Last ball finish. Uh, finish with four buys, actually, and the Thunder somehow won after f- almost struggling to chase down just over 120. So that comes in at number 10. That was a great way to start. Two hat-tricks. I've lumped them in together into ninth spot, Michael Nisa and Nathan Ellis. Always, we love a hat-trick here at the Unplayable <laughs> Podcast. Matty Renshaw steals the show at the MCG against the yeah. Melbourne Stars. That was a phenomenal finish and, again, the Stars had a lot of close finishes this year and quite a few make this list. And um, Matt Renshaw was fantastic. A, a lap scoop sweep thing on the last ball when he hadn't played one all innings. Okay. Outstanding. Uh, the Stars at number seven hitting the roof twice in one match at Marvel Stadium. That was pretty cool. Uh, they also got six runs for it, even though maybe that rule needs to be looked at. Number six, I'm giving New Kids on the Block Josh Brown, Paddy Dooley and Spencer Johnson uh, a little tick there because they've all done great things with uh, minimal reputations coming into the tournament. Guest of the Unplayable podcast too, if you'd look back on the last episode, Spencer Johnson. Well, that's right. I was a bit disappointed he didn't make the team of the tournament. (laughs) I won't won't complain too much. Uh, Number four, Thunderbolt – sorry, number five, Thunderbolt at 15. That was monumental. Maybe unlucky not to be higher, but uh, Steve Smith comes in at number four with back-to-back centuries. I thought that was um, some pretty phenomenal stuff. So he's come in late. I've got number three, Shorts Century in the chase just above Smith. Uh, That was sensational. That was the highest run chase in Big Bash history as well. Number two, Michael Neese's over-the-boundary line catch. Uh, That was just... A where were you when moment, perhaps. Um, fantastic to see that rewarded. And then at number one, I've got Adam Zampa's unsuccessful attempt oh, okay. to run out Tom Rogers at the non-striker's end as our number one moment of BBL 12. There's a lot to unpack there, but what stands out to you, Joe? Um, I did my own little top five, but uh, what's, what's your reasoning behind the top position for the Mancad attempt? Well, I think because it got people talking who are in cricket circles with me about cricket and so it was just one of those ones where everyone has an opinion, everyone has a thought on whether it should be legal or not and if if it is in the spirit of the game, the failure of it as well because (laughs) traditionally we see these run-outs, they're just, yep, it's out, that's that's in the rules. This one was given not out by a... Um, you might say a technicality. So Zampa has to walk back with his tail between his legs and then Tom Rogers comes out in the following innings and takes Fifa and the Renegades win that derby. So uh, that's why it's number one for me and that's probably – well, it's going to be remembered for well after yeah. this season is done as well. Yeah, yeah it's good it's Good reasoning. I'll support that. I had um, Smith's back-to-back tons as my top moment. I just thought the impact that had really? on the – 
on the competition that lead into to finals. Uh, and it was pretty sensational batting, but watching that, some of the shots he was hitting and just the way he was doing it, um, it's just incredible. Uh, I had the all-out 15 at number two, just for reasons you articulated with the Zampa one, but early in the tournament, got people talking about it, like it made global cricket sports news headlines, so I thought that was pretty cool. The Michael Nisa catch was number three for me. And then number four, I had the crowds. So the return of the crowds and the, oh. the atmosphere around the Big Bash, that was pretty cool this year. So 40,000 at New Year's Eve for the Strikers Stars match, 38,000 at both the Melbourne and Sydney uh, derbies, 32,000 at Perth last um, Sunday against the Renegades. And there's already 25,000 tickets sold as of last night for, for Saturday's qualifier final. So that promises to be a bumper crowd. Could even get up to. You know, fifty odd thousand. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then number five, I had the Mancad, uh, Zampa's man, unsuccessful Mancad yeah, attempt. Right. You're right. Um, I'm not sure. Even though fifteen gets people talking, all that fifteen gets people talking. Not sure it necessarily gets people through the gates. But Steve Smith's <laughs> form and his centuries that definitely gets people to the ground. You're right. It has given the Big Bash a shot in the arm that it needed just before the final series, and it's a shame. While it's great that Smith will be able to play in that qualifier, it's a shame that uh, should the Sixers progress even further, he won't be there. But um, that's the nature of the competition, isn't it? And I've got a question to pose to to you and our listeners, I guess. Uh, Smith at the top of the order in T20s, going really well. Aaron Finch going really well at number four in T20s. Do we just, if Aaron Finch plays on, do we just swap those two over in the Australian side? Well, it seems like the logical explanation, doesn't it? Uh, I was thinking just the other day in that lead-up to the T20 World Cup um, late last year, we had these interesting scenes where Cameron Green was opening and Finch was batting in the middle order, number three, number four, and maybe if he just stayed there, it would have been a masterstroke because look at his form (laughs) for the Renegades. So maybe the selectors Uh, were onto something with that uh, little uh, move before the World Cup, even though Finchie went back to the top of the order for those uh, actual cup games. Maybe, and who knows? But we won't see it for a while. I don't think the next T20 for Australia is until September in South Africa. So yeah. a lot of water to go under the, bridge, under the bridge before then. Yeah, there sure is. A lot of IPL to be played <laughs> between now <laughs> and then as well. Um, all right, well, thanks, Jack. Uh, that's about a wrap on the BBL 12 Home and Away series. I'm sure we'll catch up again after the finals have concluded and you're going to be at all the finals matches, is that correct? Uh, yes, looking likely this way at the, uh, at the moment. So that involves two trips to Perth because they'll either host the Challenger final if they lose or the uh, the big one next Saturday uh, if they beat the Sixers. Also for Renegades fans, you've got a chat with spinner Corey Roccacioli coming up on the Unplayable podcast as well. Any tidbits that you want to talk about that uh, maybe tease that talk uh, that you had with Corey? <laughs> Uh, he's a very interesting character, very lively fellow, and uh, he names his bats after coffee shops. He used to used to pinch them off his teammates, but now he's got mm. uh, a bat sponsor. So that's just one of the many quirks that he has. So looking forward to that. Uh, that bringing you that chat uh, should be good fun. Okay, very good. He he sounds like a lot of fun. Jack, thank you for joining us on this edition of the Unplayable Podcast. Good luck in the BBL finals to those teams who are going and hopefully your team uh, will win if they're playing. Jack, all the best. Thanks, Josh. Looking forward to it.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.